Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Welcome, everyone. Uh, Father Anthony Tinker here with the... Hello, hello, Father Peter Teresa. Good to be with all of you. Hey. Uh, and so another great episode. We're very excited about some. We're trying something new. We're actually, I'm actually going to interview Father Peter Teresa today about his vocation story. Dun, 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 dun. We want to hear about you becoming a priest, you becoming a Franciscan Father of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to try kind of a new format with interview style. Uh, so thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And we're going to get right into it because it's a, it's a quick time. But Father Peter Teresa, if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about, give me background. Mm -hmm. Where are you from? Where were you born? Where did you grow up? Give me like up to the high school years, a little bit about your life. For sure. So... Um... I was born, uh, that's funny, uh, August 13th, 1987, uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So my dad uh, was and is a basketball coach. And so he was coaching basketball in, in Milwaukee uh, at the collegiate level. Uh, and so I was born there and then uh, very quickly moved to uh, Dayton, Ohio. My dad was coaching there. And then we moved to Pennsylvania um, when I was young, I want to say maybe like five or six years old. Uh, and my dad was took another uh, coaching position there. And so grew up uh, in a gym with a ball in my hand, um, following my dad around, following my older brother around, and uh, just loved, loved basketball. Uh, loved watching it, loved playing it. Playing all sorts of sports too. I mean, I love football as well. My, uh, my, my mother's side of the family, uh, a lot of football coaches. And, and so just, um, just, had a love for sports growing up, very, very active in that way. And and so that was a big part of my childhood and, and just being, you know, having, you know, a, a couple brothers, you know, you're always kind of just running around the neighborhood, playing around, playing different sports. And uh, so love, love basketball was, was pretty good, um, you know, and, and, you know, went to camp since I was really little. So I was like doing ball handling drills, you know, from probably the age of like seven. And, and uh, so I remember, you know, just grade school leagues, you know, it was pretty good and, and was pretty good in junior high and in high school as well. And, and, uh, so that was a big part of my, my childhood growing up. Uh, we were also, um, you know, grew up in a, in a, in a pretty strong, you know, Catholic home. Um, you know, we went to mass on Sundays at a certain point, you know, when I was, uh, in grade school, uh, we were participating in like rosary groups at the parish and things like that. And, and, uh, we would do like a family rosary at the house. And I can always remember um, just as like a boy, just being like, okay, like how long into the rosary can I pretend to fall asleep? So it'll be believable because, <laughs> you know, you're like, you're a boy and you find it a little boring and, you know, you just kind of want to go back downstairs and, and play the video game or run out in the driveway and play a game of basketball or, or do whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? And so, uh, so there's hope to all those moms out exactly, there. Exactly. Boys are falling exactly. Praying the rosary. If your son's giving you a hard time. And, uh, I certainly gave my parents quite a run for their money, but, um, but no, I was very, very blessed to, to grow up uh, with, you know, the faith being something, um, that was important to our family. And when I was, uh, in grade school, my father, my dad actually retired from coaching basketball began working as the director of camp and youth, uh, youth ministry for our diocese. And so, um, so yeah, that was definitely a part of me growing up. And, uh, but, but for me, like when I was in grade school and in junior high, um, I think I might've hinted to my parents that I like, I, I think they, they tell the story of we were driving home from mass one day and I asked if, 
if you could play in the NBA and be a priest. Um, and I think they probably told me that you could. Uh, <laughs> it was probably more believable that I would be in the NBA than be a priest at that point. <laughs> um, but, uh, and so I think there were different things where maybe, you know, there were seeds there that I wasn't really aware of. And, and, um, I also remember as just a little boy going to the Triduum masses and those, those symbols, um, I didn't, just left a deep, deep impression on my spirit. And I still think about those very often. And the, and the pastor that I grew up with, Father Gardner, um, left a deep impression on me as well. But but thought I would play basketball, coach basketball, teach, get married, and, uh, you know, kind of very, very swayed by the, the culture and, and just my peers and sort of my mentality in junior high and high school was um, that, I, that I certainly looked up to my father and, and wanted to be like him and, and recognize that, um, that he was a man of faith and a man of integrity. And I really, really respected that and wanted to be like that. But, um, but also just kind of wanted to, to maybe rebel and, and be, have my own individuality or, or whatever, whatever 16 year old boys tell themselves. And so, uh, my, my whole motto was that I'm going to just sort of, um, do what I want now. And that when I am married with kids, then I will, you know, be a, an upstanding citizen. Yeah, let's take a pause right there. So obviously a vocation comes through a lot of people influencing them. So you spoke of your father mm -hmm. and his influence. Yeah. Can you name a couple other people who you would say, these people really had a profound influence looking back on yeah. me becoming a priest um, from that time in your life? Yeah, I would say certainly my pastor growing up, Father Gardner, um, he, he was... Um, just very, he was just a very down to earth person. And, um, I didn't recognize it at the time, but after I sort of had a conversion, I went back to one of his masses and, and was just able to see the humility of which he celebrated mass. And, and I think, um, I wouldn't have named that as a kid, but I, I definitely could tell that, you know, he had a love for the Eucharist. He always preached about the Eucharist. All of his homies always like came back to the Eucharist. And, um, I probably try to imitate that in some way in my own priesthood. Um, I think I would also have to say, um, this is a little different, but my my junior high science and religion teacher, uh, Mrs. Moran, um, and she was just a teacher. And, and I think that instilled in me a desire to teach um, and a desire to, to impact people, um, to, to, to do something like that, where you're in relationship with people and you get to help form them and, and disciple them and so I think that, um, well, not necessarily like explicitly the priest that I think helped shape what I wanted, what I desired, um, and the Lord then used that to to direct it towards priesthood. Um, so those are those are some of the immediate people that that come to mind. Okay, so we've you finished high school, you love love basketball. Yeah, you actually end up going to college and playing basketball. Yeah, right, and then your life takes a dramatic shift. Can you kind of walk us through that year <laughs> in your life? Yeah, so I was uh, I graduated high school and uh, was recruited to play both like small Division three football and Division three basketball and and decided on, on uh, playing basketball. So I went to a small Division three uh, liberal arts college, Juniata College, um, near near Penn State. Uh, and so played basketball there for my freshman year. And it was a hard year in a lot of different ways. Um, and, and, and it was playing at the beginning of the season and, and wasn't playing towards the end as a freshman. And, and that was hard and that was difficult. And, 
And so just really gave myself over to just um, college campus culture um, with the partying and things like that. And, and was just really down um, and it was just not happy and, and just thinking, you know, maybe if I just keep um, making more friends and, and, and going to more parties and, and doing things, that'll, that'll make me happy. And it really, really wasn't. Um, and so it was just sort of in this um, difficult season in my life where, where the world wasn't making me happy and I didn't know where really to turn. Um, and so that summer after my freshman year of college, uh, I was working a, a summer camp for my diocese back in Pennsylvania, Camp Zacchaeus, uh, that my dad helped helped start when he was the director of camp and youth ministry, and and went there. Just, um, I mean, I loved the camp, but I wasn't really following the Lord. I had stopped going to Sunday Mass my freshman year of college. Um, wasn't really walking with the Lord really in any way, shape, or form, and uh, w- decided to be, I wanted to be a counselor at this camp um, because it was something that you know. My dad helped start, and I thought it should be important that like someone with our family name should be there, you know, and uh, and and loved it. It was a great week. It was a lot of fun, you know. I mean, hiking in the woods and doing arts and crafts and doing the campfire songs and all that, and and so enjoyed it, but wasn't wasn't doing it for any of the right reasons <laughs> at all. And so while we were there, while I was there rather, um, one of the nights was a guided meditation. Um, before the blessed sacrament with all of the kids and and the the priest chaplain at the camp was leading this meditation and he just invited us to to go to like our favorite place that we we're most comfortable with and so in my imagination in my mind's eye I'm picturing myself uh, in my bedroom uh, back in our, our home in in Pennsylvania and he said okay now invite the lord there and so i'm imagining like jesus walking down the hall of my house and knocking on my bedroom door and him and i are just kind of sitting on my bed together and um i honestly do not remember like the next directive for the meditation uh, what the priest said after that because the lord began to speak to me um you know quite literally and uh and just in my in my heart and in my mind's eye and, and in the meditation, just the Lord was next to me. And I just remember him asking me, um, you know, why are you living this way? Um, and it was such a sincere and honest question that he was not condemning me. Uh, he wasn't, um, you know, mad or upset, but it was just, it was so sincere and honest because he loved me so much. And I could just sense how much he loved me. Um, and I could sense how much like the way I was living hurt him. And so he was basically asking just like, why are you living this way? Like, it, it hurts me that you live this way. Um, and my heart just broke. Uh, my heart just broke because I was encountering this person, uh, the Lord, Jesus, um, who, who loved me so much and, and loved me more than I love myself. Um, and so I was just, I just, my heart just broke. And, and I just remember praying, um, just very honestly, very desperately, like, like, Lord, I don't, I don't want to hurt you anymore. Um, and, and whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Um, and so praying that prayer, like thought it meant like, go back to mass on Sunday, stop, like, stop doing all of the, you know, the, the things that the world tells you to do to, to make you happy with the party and, 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 and dating and things like that. And that's what I thought, you know, that, that prayer meant. And, and as soon as I prayed that prayer, like, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Um, in my mind's eye in the meditation, Jesus and I left my bedroom and all of a sudden I saw myself vested as a priest, um, behind the altar, elevating the host. And I was like, that is not, 
Jesus, that is not what that prayer meant. Uh, that I did not anticipate that happening. But it was it was so real. It was so unexpected. It was so it was so genuine. And so I was just this profound encounter with the love of God and 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 Him, you know, really revealing to me and showing me what He had called me to be. And and it was so real for me. It was just somewhat unmistakable. So I was like, oh my, okay. Like I have to like, I have to take this seriously. So I was, um, you know, dating a girl at that time for almost two years at that point and, and left camp and broke up with her and called my college basketball coach and was like, hey, listen, like I'm not coming back. Um, and, uh, you know, just told him like, I'm supposed to be a priest. <laughs> and I had no idea what I was doing. No idea what I was doing. I was just like, okay, I had this crazy encounter with Jesus. Like I'm supposed to be a priest. Um, I met with the vocations director um, in Denver of all places, because that's where my parents were living at the time. My dad got back into coaching. I um, was coaching out in Colorado. And so the vocations director was like, um, okay, this, this is like, this is great. This is awesome. But like, um, like finish your undergrad. Like I thought I was supposed to join seminary. Like I was like, okay, I'm supposed to be a priest. Like this is what you do. You just join seminary. And, and, uh, and he kind of pumped the brakes on that. And thanks be to God, because I was certainly like riding high on like this encounter and this grace. And, and, and there was just this beautiful season where prayer was so easy and so beautiful and just all this, these different encounters with the Lord. But, um, but I needed time to really like let the decision to follow the Lord, um, and let, let that, let that settle. Um, because, you know, come Christmas, I was like, man, what have I done? Like, I just like walked away from like a girlfriend, like college basketball. Like I'm living in my parents' basement in Colorado. Like, I don't know anyone I'm, like working at a grocery store. Like I don't have any friends. Like, like what did I just do? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and so I had to really own that. And, uh, and so, so that was, it was, I'm really glad I didn't join seminary right away because I probably would have flamed out and who knows what would have happened after that. I, I'm, I mean, the Lord probably would have found a way to, to get me back, but, but it was good. It was sort of a dramatic encounter and then a slow growth to, to, to stepping into the vocation. Beautiful. So you've, you've left um, your freshman college, you've gone to Colorado, you're off school, you're working, uh, you're trying to figure out life. You end up back in Pennsylvania. Yeah. You get a philosophy degree. Yeah. Um, uh, and discern at that time, end up joining religious life. Can you tell me yeah. about that called a religious life and then how, what religious life was like for you? Yeah. So I, um, I didn't, I mean, all I really knew is that there were like priests, you know, I grew up around diocesan priests. Now we grew, I like, we did grow up with like Franciscans coming to our house as a kid. And, and I remember that now, but it wasn't really like, um, didn't really like sink in until I started talking to some people and they, you know, we're explaining, well, there's like religious priests as well that like, um, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And, and so it was discerning, do I want to be a diocesan priest? Like I know, and started looking into religious communities and, and very, very quickly, um, felt just gravitated towards religious life. I think, um, coming from a big family, just a big, you know, five, five siblings and how close knit that were. And, and then both, both sides of my family, lots of aunts and uncles and cousins and, and used to large family gra gatherings and just really loving the, just that familial and communal aspect. I think just, um, loving sports and being part of a team that I, that I wanted to follow Jesus, um, in a family or on a team that I wanted to do it with a group, with a band of brothers. And, uh, and so that was really, really important to me. That really, really spoke to my heart. I didn't want to, um, I didn't feel called to diocesan life. And so very, very quickly began just looking at different religious communities and 
um, you know, there was a, a Franciscan community that kind of I grew up with in, in my backyard. Um, and then my sister was being ministered to another group of Franciscans in Philadelphia. Um, there were some Benedictines in Pennsylvania that I knew and um, just very, very quickly fell in love with the person of St. Francis and just his radical, radical following of the Lord and just how he gave everything up for Jesus. And uh, that really just captured my heart. That really just captivated my spirit. And and even now, when I go back to Francis, um, he's just, He's just a lightning rod. Whenever I whenever I go back to Francis, whenever I, I touch him and just his spirit, it just there's just a fire there that always just reignites my fire. And so um just very, very quickly felt called to religious life and then very, very felt called to Franciscan religious life. And so upon graduating uh college, um joined a Franciscan religious community. And how was that? How was it being a part uh just going through that process? Tell me about uh, you go through Pashansi, you go through yeah. novitiate, then you enter seminary. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about each of those steps in the process and what God did in each of those steps in your heart. Yeah, I think it, that's, that's a good question. I have to like reflect on all that. Um, I I enjoyed my time of postulancy and-, and Postulancy is your time getting to know the community. That's right, yeah. So it's um, a postulant, it means one who asks questions. So it's a time for you to really ask questions, you know, is this where I'm called? And and uh, and I did a lot of ministry during my postulancy, and I worked at a grade school, and I think that was just very very impactful for me. Um, really really loved doing that, um, just working with those kids, especially the eighth graders. Um, that was that was really really beautiful for me. My novitiate was was really good. It was a time to kind of separate from the world, um, and you know, you, you have all of these relationships and, uh, and you need to step away from all of them so that you can make your relationship with Christ, your, your primary and your most fundamental one. And, uh, that was hard. That was really, really difficult in many ways. And, and, um, I, I like to describe my novitiate as like a piece of really rich, thick chocolate cake, um, where I loved it. It was delicious. Um, but I was full and had had enough of it by the end of it that <laughs> I, that, that I, I didn't, you know, uh, another bite would have been too much. And so I was glad for that. Um, it was a beautiful time. It was a rich time. It was a fulfilling time, but, um, you know, you're ready to move on into, to vowed life. And the vision, it would be a time where you do get the habit. Yes. And so in you wouldn't be wearing a habit, Correct. not really a member of the community. You're kind of doing this questioning yep. and figuring out, I do that for yep. nine months. Then you enter a year of novitiate. That's right. Where you get a habit. Yeah. Um, which habit of probation, and you begin to discern, um, but in, in a more particular way, where you're pulled back from ministry, Correct. you're pulled back from even communication with your family, uh, you're no, no really in, limited TV, limited internet use, yeah. limited everything, yeah. and real focused on that time of yeah. prayer, which is what you're talking about, really entering into the quiet. Really rich, but really filling. Yes, yeah. And, and had so a, much you can attend. Had enough, yeah, had enough by the end of it. Good, so you, after your novitiate, you enter and take vows, mm -hmm. right? So you take vows, which is not a lifelong commitment, but it's a commitment to live the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience for a time. Yes. Um, and, and then you were sent to seminary. Correct. And we're studying. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about and what God did in kind of that time in your life. Yeah, I, um, so I do like school. Um, I don't like papers. I don't like tests, but I like learning. And so um, I enjoyed seminary. I enjoyed my studies a lot. Um, there was a, 
I was studying at that time in Washington, D.C. at Catholic University of America. And uh, that was, I'd never really lived in a city like that before. And so I just enjoyed all the neat opportunities that it afforded me with the church. I mean, that huge basilica of, of the Immaculate Conception, that shrine there. Um, there was, um, you know, the Dominican House of Studies and just the the Franciscan Monastery of the Holy Land in D.C. and and just a lot of neat exposure, different things in the church that I, I really enjoyed learning from a lot of great professors. Um, and, and then just also all the neat culture opportunities being in DC. I loved going to the Smithsonian's and going to the art museums and the museum, the history museums. And so, um, it was a great time. It was a formative time. Um, it was a difficult time. It was a challenging time as well. Vocationally, uh, we're trying to discern, okay, what is, um, God calling me to in the midst of all of this as well. In, in the midst of this, speaking of the challenge, yeah. um, you're going to seminary and all of a sudden you get a phone call yeah. that you're the friar you look up to the most <laughs> and some other friars. Father Athanasius in here, so I can just say me. Yes. No, I'm kidding. Other than some friars who you really looked up I to, do, yeah. were friends with. Um, we're actually leaving the community you were in. Correct. And going, coming down to Phoenix and founding a new community. Yeah. And you heard about this and and you had to go through your own discernment process. So would you mind walking us through just just what that, the hearing of that, that impact in your own life and your discernment process uh, for about six months, figuring out what God was calling you to? Yeah. So I was, uh, it was about, so thank you for this. It was, I was about to enter finals week, my second year of seminary, I get a phone call saying that, that you and, and some of the other brothers, um, were, were be leaving the community to go found a, a missionary community in Phoenix. And um, I was shocked. I was shocked and uh, and I was hurt. Uh, I was confused as to why these guys that I looked up to, um, that I thought were friends, you know, didn't, didn't say anything to me, you know what I mean? And there was uh, confusion, um, senses of, uh, you know, just being hurt and, you know, probably some self-pity in there, you know, you feelings of betrayal and things like that. And very, very confusing time for me. And, um, and, and so for me, it was like, okay, Lord, if this is what you've called those guys to do, like, what have you, what are you calling me to? And, um, everything was back on the table for me. Um, it was, um, okay. I gave religious life a chance. Like, um, are you asked, do I just leave? And do I just, you know, get married and have a family and kids and just follow you that way. Um, do I stay? Like you've called them to leave. Um, are you calling me to stay? Um, or are you calling me to follow them or you call me? To, so it was just, it was all back on the table for me. And it was, I was very, very confusing. And, um, you know, just a lot of different things had maybe, maybe a little jaded about religious life. Um, I mean, certainly your guys's departure, um, hurt, and, and just had to work through all that. And, and so my, I began my third year of seminary and just very quickly realized like, I can't do full-time graduate work and discern what the Lord is calling me to. And so was able to take a break from studies and work with the missionaries of charity, um, that fall. And, um, those sisters, I, I really do credit those sisters for saving my vocation in many ways. Um, cause I, I was hurt. I was broken by a lot of different things. And those sisters just nursed me back to health. And I saw these religious who were living poor and were serving the poor and were so happy and were so convicted. And, and I was like, okay, like this is out there. Like I just have to find where it is for me. 
And, and so during that time, I really felt like the Lord didn't tell me what he was calling me to. He was just calling me to, to take the next step. Uh, and the next step was to just come to Phoenix um, and see. Uh, just come and see, as the Lord says. And I didn't know what he if he was going to call me to stay once I got there, or if he was going to call me back to the community that I was a part of, or, or what he was going to call me to. But it was just the next step. All I had was the next step, and the next step was just come to Phoenix and see. And so, um, so that's what I did. Yeah. And so you come, you see. Yeah. And the Lord obviously started working. You're still here. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, the end, it's the end of, end of that still part of the story. Phoenix, thanks be to God. Yeah. Um, and you were, did campus ministry for a year, did a pastoral year, and then you finished up your studies. Right. Um, and so just tell me a little bit about maybe something God taught you as a campus minister. And then maybe something he taught you in your final two years of seminary. I think the the grace of my time doing campus ministry down in Phoenix. I was at Grand Canyon University, and I was I had the privilege of leading our the RCIA program there, and um, just walking with these these young college kids and, and bringing them into the church. Um, and it wasn't an experience for me of of my fatherhood and my paternity as a religious. Um, that I don't, I don't have physical progeny. Um, that I just have spiritual progeny. And so, um, seeing these kids that I'd walked with all year um, enter the church and get baptized and and get confirmed and receive communion um, was really really special for me, and, and was just a confirmation of that like that that this life is fulfilling um, in in a in that way, which is really really important. Um, and then, and then my time in, in seminary was was also really blessed. That um, you know, Francis says the Lord gave me brothers. And um, you know, when I when I first went up to seminary, I was just I was the only seminarian for our community there. And, and Father Athanasius was up there doing ministry as well. And it was just him and I living together. Uh, and the Lord gave me great great brothers uh, and my seminary classmates um, from the diocese of um, the archdiocese of Detroit, um, the the Chaldean Eparchy up there, um, guys in. In Minnesota and Wisconsin, and so, uh, uh, and then assault one of the salt priests as well, and so, um, just great, just the Lord, just the Lord continually to, to just give me good men to to walk with in all of this, and that are that are lifelong friendships in many ways, and and can support me now in my own priesthood as well as my Franciscan brothers do as well, and so, um, that was beautiful. And you had four straight summers of glory, if we want to call them that. <laughs> to the summer yeah. 2016, yeah. you got a habit and a religious name. That's right. And so my first question, if you don't mind briefly telling us, yeah. why the name Father Peter Teresa? Yeah, so, um, I, you know, I alluded to it a little bit that the missionaries of charity really saved my vocation. And, and Mother Teresa, um, you know, as I was discerning what to do about whether to stay or come to Phoenix, I was reading Mother Teresa's Come Be My Light. And, and you know, just, just she really, really spoke to me. And she gave me the courage to step out and leave just as she did. And that when I came to Phoenix, you picked me up. And uh, that was a wild experience. You know, it was like, you know, seeing someone come back from the dead in many respects. And it was a really beautiful reunion. And uh, we drove to Mount Claret Retreat Center in in Phoenix and, and Mother Truce was there waiting for me. And and in the lobby was this Bible that she had signed and this beautiful mural of her smiling down at me. And and it was almost as if she was waiting for me in Phoenix. And I was like, okay, like, like mother, if you're here, it's gonna be okay. Because, because I was hurt, I was wounded. Like I, I, I had, you know, I 
my relationship with God the Father and Jesus was kind of estranged because I didn't know what they were up to, and this was really painful. But but Mother Teresa was safe, so if she was there, I was going to be okay. And uh, and so that was really beautiful. And then just um, just I really really identify with Peter in the scriptures, and I just feel like his walk with the Lord is much of my own. That it is these great bursts of faith and energy of like, Lord, I will die for you. And then in the next breath, it's, you know, get behind me, Satan. And like, Lord, call me out in the water and I take two steps and then I'm sinking and it's like, Lord, save me. And it's, um, you know, Lord, I will die with you this night. And then I'm in the next breath, I'm denying him three times. And so just that, just Peter's walk with the Lord, I identify with a lot. And so um, that's where the name Peter, Peter the Apostle and then Mother Teresa of Calcutta is, is where I got my name. That's beautiful. Summer 2017, you take your final vows for the community. Yeah. Summer 2018, you get ordained a deacon. That's right. Summer 2019, you get ordained a priest. Yeah. So it was four straight summers of just the Lord just solidifying my vocation. Could you say one thing from your ordination ceremony that really struck you? One thing that still today is food for thought and contemplation. Um, So that was the most surreal experience of my entire life. Like I have spiritual reflections for those other summers. That one like felt really out of body. Like I literally felt like time was a conveyor belt just pushing me to the altar. And I felt like all of a sudden, like I was just at the altar. And um, like I, it was, it was the, the strangest experience of time I've ever had. And um, I just felt carried. I felt carried that like time, I could feel time just moving me forward. And, um, and, and Bishop laying his hands on me and, and, and being ordained and, um, and you vesting me as a priest. And, and so it was, um, just this very strange, surreal, almost very, very hard to articulate just what I was feeling and experiencing in that, um, and so uh, I was just like, all of a sudden I was a priest. <laughs> I didn't know how it happened. You know, I was like, I woke up this morning and I wasn't. And now like two o'clock in the afternoon I am. And like, what just, what just happened? And so, um, yeah, I felt a little bit, I mean, like, I feel like bad saying it. I felt like doubting Thomas a little bit. Like, like, are we sure this worked? <laughs> like, are we sure I'm a priest right now? And, uh, and so, but it was very, very beautiful. Very, very beautiful. It was, just, it was so hard to believe that like, it had happened. Something that I had been working for since that moment at camp, which was 2007. And 12 years later, like, I, I, the Lord brought it to fruition. And it yeah. just felt so unbelievable. This thing that I had been working for for 12 years, like I had finally, you know, seen it through. Well, speaking of time, we're out of it. Amen. So our fun question for today, speaking about your biography, yeah, a favorite biographies. So you've been talking a lot. I'm going to give you a little break. Yeah. Just tell everybody, my favorite biography is an autobiography. It's Story of a Soul by St. Chesley I read it soon after my conversion uh, mm. and my experience, a reversion, my deciding to be a priest. And it spoke to my heart. Yeah. It really ministered to my heart. It was transformative, just her little way, her way of love, her, her consecrating herself to the love of Christ. Um, so, so, so beautiful, so impactful. It's, and it's one of the greatest saints in a simple, loving way. So Story of a Soul will be my pick for favorite biography. This is, um, I don't know if it's my favorite biography, uh, but uh, I mean, I, so I love the major legend of St. Francis by St. Bonaventure. That's, that's a, as far as like a biography goes, that might be it. But, um, but I just got and read for Christmas this book called The Splendid in the Vile. And it was sort of my first introduction to Winston Churchill. Um, and I just found him to be so, so fascinating. He was a total character and the right man for the job to like, um, combat Hitler and Nazism and was just really just the only one holding out in Europe. And so um, 
it's not a strict biography of Churchill, but it was certainly portrays him. And, and so uh, that's just of recent memory that I really, really enjoyed. It was a great read. It was, I read it real quick. And so love that. Well, well, thank you so much for giving us the time. Uh, we'd Amen. love to hear your story. Amen. It was a real honor and blessing. And to all of you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. And may almighty God bless you as I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.